Welcome to Based on Books, where we read our way through books that have inspired popular TV and film adaptations to see where it all began. I'm Keenan, And I'm Yvette. This season, we're reading our way through the Vampire Diaries chapter by chapter. Today, we are covering chapters 11 and 12 of the first book, The Awakening. Okay, Ooh. so last time we left Elena in the gym with whom we presume is Damon, who showed up out of nowhere. It's dark. It was really creepy. And so at the top of chapter 11, Elena gets the heck out of there. She As goes, she should. Yes. And she goes down the hallways and she's like, oh my God, it's dark. And at some point the lights come on and she's like, oh, thank goodness. Um, and she finds Meredith and Bonnie who are both like, why are you out here? We left you in the gym. We found the janitor. He was asleep. Can you believe that? <laughs> Can you believe that? How dare the janitor be asleep past school hours? Doesn't he have to teach a girl chess in a basement somewhere? God. So, so they're like, what, why are you out here? And Meredith always seems to like know something is up because she looks at her with these like knowing yeah. eyes. Yeah, it's because she's like in her 40s and she's still in high school. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And so Elena just tries to cover it up and is like, oh, yeah, I was just going to tell you guys, like, we really should be done with, you know, the work today. We're not really going to get anything done. Let's just get out of here. And so, like, you know, they leave and it moves kind of quickly into that Meredith and Bonnie, dis no, Meredith and um, Elena decide to have a sleepover mm -hmm. at Bonnie's, like, later that week. Yeah. Right? Well, here's actually, before we move on to that, um, one interesting point that was brought up was that uh, Bonnie and Meredith found our janitor man and he was asleep and they said that they couldn't wake him up they were like shaking him to try to wake him oh, and yeah. he didn't come he didn't wake up until the exact moment that the lights came back on which is uh very specific and so we're beginning to see and, and even more so in chapter 12 i think what we're beginning to see the manifestation of um more capital p powers going on which is cool because it seems like these powers are very individualized uh, person to person vampire to vampire is this daemon most likely does daemon have a, a very specific skill set of powers i mean as we mentioned in the last episode he seemed to um be able to like isolate elena and almost like control her actions and like from within the, the book keeps using the word compel which is great because the TV show uses mm -hmm. that word for literally everything vampires do. And you can see where where they kind of got it from. Um, and it seems like uh, this Damon, who we think is Damon, still unconfirmed, but the jury's pretty much out. It seems like he has the ability to kind of control the atmosphere within a radius around him. Like he, he can create this like haze. That's what it seems like so far. But uh, I thought that mm -hmm. was interesting. The janitor like wouldn't wake up. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because it's it's something I remember reading, but then I just kind yeah. of like quickly. Yeah, I literally read this it. chapter half an hour ago, so we're it's all fresh. <laughs> it's real fresh. Elena also starts to think about how her relationship with Stefan is going, and she notices that he seems to be pulling away. He's very loving and stuff like most of the time, but he'll have a lot of like um, I don't know, kind of daydreamy, sort of like sad, melancholy stuff, and she's like. Yeah, he, there's something wrong, and she just wants to know what it is, but he just seems to be slowly pulling away from her. Yeah, he has this, like, intense sorrow that mm -hmm. she doesn't know how to broach or talk about. I mean, she reads this whole diary passage to Meredith and Bonnie while they're at the sleepover. Yeah. About, yes. about like, the unknowable grief behind Stefan's eyes. I don't know if do you have a quote of it somewhere or I, I don't, but I, I do note that we're getting a little ahead of like what I had in my notes, but um I do note that I thought it was really funny <laughs> like that she would be like, Wait, hold on and runs upstairs to yeah. her stuff, grabs yeah. her diary and is like, All right, chapter five yeah. you know I, <laughs> I literally wrote this earlier today and I don't have the words to say it right now. So let's just like turn some candles on and I'll read you guys my spoken word poetry that I wrote in my diary <laughs> earlier today. And we can like snap about how sad I am that my boyfriend I've known for a month is being weird 
It's yeah. so, this is, it's, it's, oh God. It's, it's so strange to me that you would pull out your diary and be like, hold on friends, this is the best way for me to describe what yeah. it is. But also but, this is the same girl who like takes her diary to school and like openly writes in it during class and during right. lunch and still maintains like valedictorian level grades, but is also devil may cry, devil may care with her diary at all the time, like reading yeah. passage of it. I thought that passage was extremely intimate to read yes. to her two friends which but, is why i thought it was weird like a diary typically isn't something you just go wait hold on let me let me read this passage to yeah, you that i was thinking yeah. about two days ago let me read this perfectly penned passage that i put down on paper earlier tonight yeah it's so, so i don't know it's just it's the conceit that the lj smith's been playing with the whole the whole st- book so far of st- various uh diary entries the heads of chapters but this is the first time it's been like in the middle of a chapter and read seemingly aloud. So yes, they decide that they're going to have a sleepover. They have this beautiful description of like what the trees look like, and it's October, and I was like, yes, an autumn sleepover. And they show up to Bonnie's house, and her old dog wants to go outside, and he runs out to this tree in the front yard, and they all run over there to be like, what are you barking at? And there's that fucking crow. (laughs) Um, So all of them are like, oh, that's a really big crow. And Elena's like, oh, crap, it looks like the same one that I saw like, you know, a month ago or whatever. Um, still with that, like, creepy look in its eye, and she says that it has a very familiar eye. Ooh, almost like that dang boy in that dang gym. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, well, Yangtze also hates that Damon crow. If if this crow is as massive and and human-like as this book describes it as, I would also be very unsettled by it. Yeah, and uh, it's also being aggressive. It flies down, and the girls think it's going to attack them but it flies really close to the dog and then flies away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, cool, let's go back inside. Let's get all our stuff organized in Bonnie's room. And then they just start to have a really nice evening. And Bonnie's house sounds so cozy. It's cottage core before it was cool. It's like yeah. cluttered and they light a fire in the fireplace and they're like drinking hot chocolate. Yeah. All these fucking high school grandmas, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh, dang, this is such a nice, like, East Coast, like, Southern East Coast little Truly, but Bonnie Bonnie is truly doing her best to to live that druid princess, druid priestess life that she uh, Mm -hmm. wants. Oh, yeah, lighting a fire and candles. But they're, like, it seems like they they, they purposely chose to have this sleepover because they're in crunch time for planning the haunted house. Because yeah. that's—it seems like that's what that was the intention of going over was to mm-hmm. hammer out the details. Yeah, because they start talking about their Halloween costumes. Like, yeah, they thought about everything else. It sounds like the in the last couple weeks they finished up all the planning for the big haunted house. They figured out who's going to be what, everyone else's costumes, and they're like, "Oh, but we also were supposed to be in costume. So what are we going to do?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're right. Bonnie is going completely with the 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 whole druid thing she's gonna be a druid priestess she's gonna put like what oak. was it like it's like oak laurel in her hair and wear a white just, gown and yeah and then yeah. uh meredith is like well you know a witch is easy to be so i'll just put on a black dress and you know it'll be simple yeah literally <laughs> I, I i can't unsee meredith as just just literally place for place that actress who plays the teacher slash lilith in the newest sabrina show the the the, like full-grown woman who's there i just i just see i don't know the actress actress's name if you know tell me on twitter but uh (laughs) she's also on doctor who yeah yeah she's a famous actress she's she's a a talented actress and i should know her name but i just see her (laughs) as meredith all the time (laughs) even with all of these other teenagers in high school i'm just like That's so funny. I actually imagine the actress who actually played the Meredith in the show was married to Paul Wesley, who played Stefan when they filmed her parts as Meredith. And then they they divorced, I think, within a year after that. Yeah, it's because he became a vampire. (laughs) And he realized how much he loves Ian Summerholder. So yeah, they they've got all their costumes oh, and their all costumes. that stuff. Yeah. And of course, Elena has to go a step further, but she's yeah. thinking about Stefan, right? Well, she's so thinking she... about like the rest of her life with Stefan. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not just Stefan anymore. It's not just high school. It's like there she is ready for to, she's ready for marriage. Like she's up she is full blown obsessed with their entire life. Like planning every aspect of it and and wanting to move forward with this whole like do or die attitude. That she definitely explains that later with other things that she says about their relationship. Mm-hmm. But like as far as her costume goes, she decides that she's gonna. She goes to a tailor to get a specific dress done that she found in a in a history textbook about the Renaissance. Yeah. So she has this custom made like ice blue um, Renaissance dress made so that she can go yeah. dressed up like that. And, and she like thinks this that gown. It, yeah, it's like a Venetian Renaissance dress. Yeah. And she she's very specific about it because she says you know. I, I hope that Stefan likes it. It might be nice to bring back something from his culture. Yeah. And I he's, was like, oh no, she's going to look She's going to look just like, like Catherine. Catherine. In fact, I think in... I wasn't sure. I should have looked it up. But I'm pretty sure in one of Stefan's various flashbacks, Catherine is straight up wearing, like, ice blue. I think so. I yeah. think it. I think in that, that nighttime sequence by the, by the fountain, I think mm. she's wearing, like, an ice blue color. Yeah, maybe. But um oh. uh, yeah, it's so it's it's so extra. It's so over the top. Like it's not even a Halloween costume. It's literally just a period dress. Yeah, and it's she... I expect nothing less from our girl Friday though. Like it's I I know. <laughs> it's exactly it exactly fits with her personality and with her her boy crazy self. Oh my goodness. Completely. And and it's a nice gesture, I think, but I was mm-hmm. like, wow, okay, you can go get a tailor-made dress. But It's a lot. So it's she thinks lot. that Stefan, you know, she hopes that Stefan's going to like it. And I think that Stefan is going to flip out. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> and so they also bring up how Stefan should also dress up. And they're like, what's he going to dress up like? And Bonnie's like, I know. God. He should be Count Dracula. This made me so mad that this was the first. <laughs> I mean, we know in the, at least in the world of the Vampire Diaries, Dracula exists. That's pretty cool, I guess. But it, it made me so <laughs> mad that it was the first vampire brought up at all and they didn't even say vampire no i I don't need to (laughs) they They don't need to (laughs) bonnie's reasoning is something about like well look at him he's tall and mysterious and Mm -hmm. of course he should be count dracula yeah he's pale yeah he says he's pale and he's um he's foreign and so you know two of of dracula's most famous traits pale and foreign (laughs) so he might as well be dracula yeah it's i'm (laughs) I'm mentally preparing myself for the possibility that, look, dear listeners, we're about 80% of the way through this first book, The Awakening. And I, I, I'm fair, I'm getting more and more certain as time passes that we might not have our fabled I know what you are conversation in this first book. Oh. So, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Based on the, the climactic events of, of these two chapters, chapter 12 specifically, and then what I imagine chapter 13 too, I I think we might be left, this is heavy, heavy speculation zone, but I think we might be left on the edge of our proverbial seats when this book is over. Yeah. On on who knows what, what's said, what isn't, who's who, who's dating what. I don't know. That's my spicy hot take for right now. Yeah. But anyway. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. It's getting to be very clear, but I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I should have, we should have seen it coming. It's Halloween. Someone, someone was going to bring up Dracula. We should have seen it coming. I'm upset with myself that I, that I didn't see it coming <laughs> and that it took me so off guard, <laughs> but he agrees to it. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> I know. We see later that, that, he he, that he just goes like, yeah, he's sure. Like, he probably thought it was funny and ridiculous. Yeah. He's like, oh fuck, I have eight capes already. I'll just put that shit on. I was going to wear that for the next football game, but I'll just well, put it on now. He's so... I, I know that, okay, this this is next chapter, but Elena mentions that he looks so comfortable in anything he wears, even if it's yeah, a cape and, like, he, all of this. And I was like, he should. He, he should. spent a lot of time wearing this kind of clothing. Literally, he's been alive for, like, 600 years. Yeah. A hundred of those years are just him trying out different clothes and deciding what he wants to look like. Like... 
what else are you gonna do when you're just alive and you're hungry like come on <laughs> yeah everything would feel comfortable if you've had to wear it for a couple years he's simultaneously you know? he's simultaneously so dour and so nonchalant at the same time or he's just like mm, i'm so sad because my life eh. but yeah, yeah like I'll, I'll put on that clip for you whatever dude like yeah. it's cool that seems to be the the vampire trope though right the vampire guy who's like oh i've lived for so long oh yeah <laughs> life yeah. is meaningless <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm so ready to just like get to finally talk to a vampire like as if i'm gonna do it in real life yeah but right. like but like meet someone in this book who's just kind of like man being a vampire is like the best thing ever like come on let me show you everything literally it doesn't exist that character model doesn't exist twilight got uh, close but it's a different yeah. conversation but anyway uh. so <laughs> Yeah, so this is when Elena decides to read from her diary because oh. her friends are like, "What's wrong? What's up with yeah. you and Stefan?" And she's of like, "Stefan, such a good me, segue." Let me just bring my diary. Yeah, and so she reads most of it, but she does leave like the last couple lines out where she's wondering about like, "You're right, Keenan." She says stuff like, "Whatever it is, like if it's gonna make them break up, she'd rather just know like right now, so she it could just like be over with." It's intense, and dude. It's intense. And I'm like, that's so, like, she's so young, mm -hmm. but also, like, that's so dire, you know? Like, not everything is perfect. Everything, nothing's certain. You have to work through things in relationships. So, like, you can't just be like, oh, I wish I knew that we're going to break up eventually. Because, like, nothing is certain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the little we know about Elena's kind of dating history up until now, she's so, she's definitely that kind of throw it away type attitude i mean we saw how she broke up with fucking matt on a walk second day of school after not talking to him for a whole summer jesus yeah i mean that could have that could have been you know worse but... <laughs> yeah it could have been a lot better too but like she has that she has that attitude i think about a lot of her past relationships and so suddenly she's so caught off guard i think with how she feels about mm -hmm. stefan that that she is decided almost that it, it has to be right if i'm feeling this way then it has to this has to be the one because i've never felt this way before and the only way mm -hmm. i could explain these feelings is he's the one yeah so in talking about all these intense emotions bonnie of course brings in some witchy stuff and <laughs> i bonnie have a spell says, for that <laughs> yeah she's like you know what there's a way to know if you're gonna end up together forever my mom used it my grandma taught it to me yeah. my mom saw my dad after doing this whole spell and it's mm -hmm. gonna tell you who you're gonna marry it's and so it's called the dumb supper it's literally the creepiest shit i've oh ever my god it i've ever read standing in a Ugh. room like an empty room with like just a sparse amount of candles and like, elena I'm really creeped out right now just yeah thinking dude, about it. big spook for sure big spooks uh elena is supposed to pull out a chair at a dinner table with the, like the whole dinner table placemat is set and she pulls out a chair to nobody and just shouts at midnight, come in, come in, come yeah. in to, like, the she's, atmosphere. Yeah, she's saying, you know, she's inviting her future husband to dine, yeah, technically. Literally. And she's supposed to keep her hand on the back of the chair the whole time. And it's, yeah, it's so creepy. It's, like, in the darkness with only one candlelight, like, candlelight in the, on the table. And, yeah, uh, it's just creepy. And... So they're going to do this. They prep everything, and she's supposed to set it all up herself. Mm. She mentions that the dog is outside and is just, like, barking at something, going crazy. Yeah. But her friends are not with her in the dining room. So, yeah, she does this at midnight. She says that she wasn't freaked out until she actually starts to be there, like, doing it. Yeah. And, of course, when she says that she's feeling foolish and she goes, come in, come in, come in, please, the, the candlelight goes out. And she feels that there's a breeze coming from behind her where there are some French doors. So she goes to motion towards the candle and who steps out? It's a guy she recognizes. And at first she freaks out and thinks, oh shit, is this Tyler? Yeah, that was really creepy too. I was a super creepy. She Just thinks small, it's Tyler for a second. A small flashback. Yeah. Yeah. And then she realizes, no, this is someone totally different. And then she sees... She doesn't mention who it is, obviously. She doesn't go, like, the boy from the gym. She just says, you, what are you doing here? Like, he just stepped in and she was like, great, you ruined the spell, but, like, why are you following me? Do you not always realizing... just walk into other people's houses uninvited? Yeah, not realizing that 
Well, one, it could be the actual manifestation of the spell. We don't know properly. Yeah. Or two, she just coincidentally happened to invite a vampire into her friend's house. It's so... It's. I had that exact thought. It is so specific. <sighs> it's so teasing in its in in its rules of vampirism because that was a hard and fast rule in the yeah. show that was one of the one of the few old school archaic vampire rules that the show had that we're seeing for the first time uh manifest itself the idea of literally just inviting yelling into the ether that someone should come in and who happens to be outside yeah it, um, i was like dang it part of me is like oh no, you let him in without knowing you were letting yeah. him in. And another part of me is like, wait, what if he's actually the answer to the to the spell? What if the spell worked? Well, well. What if it's him? <laughs> Spoilers. That's creepy. But <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, it was very, it's a whole, it's a It's a really unsettling exchange. But it's just as, I mean, Elena is, is throughout it. And at the end of it, she's left with the same feelings she has at the gym. Where in these moments of, this man's presence she completely forgets about mm -hmm. Stefan and she has like this sheer power of will to will herself to say no to him he like grab she yeah you're right she reaches for the candle at some point and he like lightly grabs her hand and like kisses the back of it and she's yeah. just oh you know so scintillating it's, so enticing it's so creepy and ravishing. sexy in yeah. a way yeah and it he is. like enthralls her mm-hmm Enthrall was a good word, or um, as the book says, utterly compels her. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he also happens to he. I think he takes a seat at some point, and he also happens to mention her namesake, just like Uncle or soon to be Uncle Robert mentioned. Yeah. He calls her Helen. He tries to like pull her shirt down, and is oh, he doesn't to, like, kiss her. Try to pull her he shirt starts down. To he her unbuttons shirt. her shirt. He kisses her palm. He like has a hand on the back of her neck and he, and she like is undoing, I guess she's wearing like a patented girl in love with a vampire, like regular blouse. It seems <laughs> like they all wear these, these terrible blouses, but whatever. I know, it has like buttons is it's, the point. Yeah, but it's got like <laughs> buttons right up to her neck, which is, which is very suggestive, but he like undoes the buttons and he's, he's freaking making moves, this man. Yeah, he says to like come with him and she says no. Yeah, she like it, like she like really pushes herself to refuse him. Yeah, so. she tells she says no to him a few times and I was like just listen to her. Well, she that's... says no, please yeah. no. Yeah, he keeps trying to coax her and he's like it's okay, you'll see and then she's like no and pushes away from him. She tells him to leave and he says, "Yeah, I'll leave for the moment." That is so absolutely creepy. It's insanely creepy. And, like, she she ends up in the room with, like, the doors closed again. She's by herself. And she's like, what the heck just happened? She realizes that it's all very, very quiet. She mentions that even the, like, old grandfather clock that she had heard ticking earlier isn't ticking anymore. And yeah. then she hears a scream from, like, oh. the backyard area. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how this house is situated, but I guess those French doors lead to something else. So she runs towards the screaming, and she finds Meredith and Bonnie in the backyard with the dead body of the dog. Yeah, our poor Pekingese, cut down in his prime, overweight and angry at the world, like all small dogs should be. Yeah, and, and Bonnie's like, well, I knew he was old, but I just didn't expect him to just go suddenly. He was barking earlier. My guess is that Damon killed him. Yeah, he was a super, yeah, he super killed him. Because, yeah. God forbid, an immortal being who can take the shape of crows feels threatened by a small dog, so he kills it. But it's also, like, it's the air, it's, yeah, I hate it, I hated it. I hate when dogs die. But also, I think it's a show of power. I think it's it's also potentially, you know, to mask his approach. Because he, he might be able to cloud the minds of people, but maybe he can't cloud the minds of an, of animals. And so maybe, maybe it's easier if he just kills it. Yeah. So. I it also to me feels kind of like a like a like a callous, like I don't care move, you know? Yeah. Like the yeah. the dog means nothing to him, so it's easy for him to just yeah. know, get rid of it. I mean, obviously not a lot means anything to him if he just break into people's homes. And as as we <laughs> yeah. see in the events of chapter twelve, he's ready oh. he's willing to do a lot more than just kill a dog. So Elena heads back inside for something real quick and she realizes that her diary is missing. <sighs> Swiper, no swiping. Come on. 
I was like, girl, this I thought this was gonna happen at the school, but it happened. Yeah. <laughs> at but our, mis- our mysterious maybe Damon Crow man took it. Yeah, has has gone off. Yeah. He swiper swiped it. Yep, he did. For those of you hoping we'd get a Dora the Explorer reference in this <laughs> podcast, well, there's two of them. There you go. Um. <laughs> yeah. And so we leave Elena and we find Stefan in the woods feasting on a doe who happens to still be alive. R.I.P. Like... to the animals in these fucking woods, dude. Well, like, the, the, the doe see, sounds like it's still alive and it tries to like... I think he gets distracted, he says. He has yeah. it under some compulsion. So it sounds like you can compel animals. At least, At least he Stephen can. can. At least yeah. Stefan can. I honestly think that, honest, I, I'm formulating a theory about the nature of their powers in my head. But mm. yeah. And anyway, Stefan's eating Bambi in the woods. <laughs> and he looks up for a moment because he senses a disturbance in the force or whatever. <laughs> um, and he's lost, again, he, he's lost in thought, basically. He's so transfixed by something something catches him off guard in this in this moment i think it's just he's like cued in he's locked into events that surround elena where if she's in some kind of danger he like is briefly aware of it i don't know but he like loses his focus and the Mm. doe tries to get away and he's like yeah whatever i've had enough i've had enough (laughs) he's having one of those nights where he's just kind of like oh yeah go find thumper get out of my sight yeah being broody yeah and um he goes, once again, surprise, surprise, into one of his many daydreams and memory sequences. Oh, the gilded halls of memory. <laughs> and he remembers... Um, the well, night it he, happened. Yeah, he, he thinks about, like, he's afraid that he's going to end up killing Elena, and that's why he doesn't want to get too close to her. And yeah. um, Which is a valid fear, I think. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's understandable. And he says that, like, there was also no talking involved when he became a vampire. And that's when he goes into his memory sequence of when Catherine turned him into a vampire. Um, Mm -hmm. I was surprised at how, to some degree, it was similar to how they portrayed it in the show. Mm -hmm. um, Where he describes how he was sleeping and Catherine comes into into his room in her nightgown, all silent and everything. It's very sultry. And then it is a little sultry and he thinks so too. I mean, you know. He he says... He says in this passage that it was the night before she was to make her decision about oh, right. which brother, I guess, to marry mm-hmm. or something. Which, which one to turn into? Which one to her turn? And so, and so he's uh, he's elated that she chose him. Mm-hmm. Seemingly, I think that she's playing some four D chess with the lives of these young men, and that Who knows? she and that she either chose both of them without telling the either one. Well, I, we'll get there. She comes in with her her nightgown and she tells him, you know, to hush, be quiet. And she climbs into the bed. And Stefan has this moment where he thinks they're going to have sex. And he's like, we should wait. You know, we can get married quickly. Like, I can tell my father and he can have it all arranged for next week. Like, we should really wait until after we're married. And she's like, this this is not about that. Don't worry about it. This is way more intimate than that regular old sex. Oh my god, it sounds so, so intimate. And she's just like, okay, just trust me. Put your head back. And he says he feels a little bit of pain on his neck for a second. But immediately just feels very calm. And yeah, it's intimate because he says that it's like their minds meld together. And there's like this beautiful calm. And it's basically like any other... Any other book especially like i'm thinking Anne rice novels and things Mm -hmm. the description of feeding and being who the person who's being fed upon yeah there's like this kind of connection that's almost very very passionate well it's a very intimate experience i mean Mm -hmm. not to state the obvious but yeah it's extremely intimate and then it ends with him in her arms like she's like a mother like cradling him i mean think of like any renaissance painting right Mm-hmm. Where he's like cradled in her arms, and she's like got a gash on her chest, like right below her her neckline or her um, collarbone, yeah. and he just like instinctively knows to drink her blood in that and moment. She, she coaxes him to do it too while she's holding yeah. him in her arms. So it's it's intimate on on a couple of different wavelengths. Yeah, one thing it doesn't say at all that's a strong difference from the show is there's no death involved. He doesn't have to die first and then be Mm -hmm. given blood. There's no 
post-mortem transfusions going on. It's just take some, give some, it seems. Yeah, it sounds like when she turned, remember, we talked about how it sounds like Klaus took a lot of her blood. Yeah. And they just waited a while. Yeah. And then he was like, all right, here, have some more. And then they just kept waiting. and Put it through his human dialysis machine and then right back in her. (laughs) It was just kind of like, you know, yeah, you take most of the non- non-vampire blood now we give you a you know yeah almost a full transfusion of vampire blood yeah now you a vampire now welcome to it it's hard to kind of get a read on Catherine as a character because we only know her from stefan's point of view and mm-hmm. stefan's point of view is so we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes but stefan's point of view of Catherine, it, within you know up until now and, and after this seems to be so gilded and so you know, imbued with love and passion that it's hard to, if that's actually what her character is like. Because I imagine the moments like this take intense self-control from her. Because, like, mm-hmm. she, uh, I don't, she doesn't seem like she's been a vampire very long at this moment, but she, you know, long enough to know how to take blood and stop after a certain point. Like, to have the self-control of understanding that this is someone who she cares deeply for in this moment and who she wants to turn instead of just, you know, going buck wild and killing him right then and there. That's a tough memory, I think, for Stefan to relive. But It is. And he, he mentions as much because the memory of all that blood that was exchanged, he's suddenly hungry again. Makes him hungry, yeah. So the chapter ends with him, like, picking up the scent of a fox and he goes back to hunting. So then we move on to the next chapter, chapter 12. Halloween, (laughs) let's go. Starts with Halloween. Elena's all dressed up in her beautiful Renaissance dress, and she's just waiting for Stefan to pick her up. Um, We have a a little moment where Margaret is in the room, and she's wearing little white cat ears. She's like, I wish I had that for Halloween. How old's Margaret again? Like, (laughs) she's like four or five. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll I think it's three, three or four. Yeah, yeah. Remember. She's old enough where <laughs> she and she and Aunt Judy are going trick or treating. Yeah, I think so. And so they're um, Elena's gonna be picked up by Stefan. Yeah. They're gonna go to the high school and get rid of you know, get uh, taken care of. Yeah. All that well, she stuff. mentions I think she'd been at the high school all day, prepping mm-hmm. the the haunted house, and Last then minute. and then because she mentions how um, the complete shift within the last hour of when she was there and then she left again everyone else has put on their costumes and so there's this great moment uh where they arrive at the high school and all she's all she talks about are oh these goblins are hanging out by the locker and there's a a herd of zombies over here and she doesn't recognize anybody because the costumes it's a Mm -hmm. really it's it's a really nice passage that creates a lot of really good suspension for yeah you know a spooky halloween and they're real monsters Duh. I'm over here thinking like either everyone in this town has a great budget for costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's anything, <laughs> if it's anything like the town in the show, literally nobody has shit all going on ever, unless it's like a high school event. It's like Stars Hollow and Gilmore Girls, where every fucking week there's some harvest festival that the entire town <laughs> loses its mind over. And everyone has like amazing ability to create convincing yeah. costumes. Everybody, everybody fucking commits whole hog. <laughs> There's a secret uh, makeup department for yeah. the town. Everyone loves going to the high school for events. Everyone loves going to the <laughs> fucking Mystic Grill or whatever the Fells Bar, whatever it is in the book, you know? Who knows? Yeah. Oh, but, but people yeah. are hyped. It's a it's it's a buzzing atmosphere. She pins literally all of her hopes on this dress. She's like, this is either going to be the moment that clicks for Stefan and I, or this is going to be when it fully falls apart. And when he shows up, he's shocked. <laughs> and she she's, like, immediately devastated. She's like, oh, yeah. no, you don't like it. And he's but, like, no, you look beautiful. But you know that as soon as she opened that door, he was yeah. like, Catherine? Well, God, oh God forbid. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, he immediately sees Catherine for a moment. And, like, God forbid he takes a half second before answering any of her questions. So she immediately assumes that he's not happy or <laughs> yeah. he's upset. And it's just, God, if only yeah, she, yeah. the mental so gymnastics. Sad. Yeah. She's so sad, like on their way to the school. And there's also a storm brewing. Mm-hmm. There's literally like a thunderstorm about to happen. Yeah. She says uh, at various points in the chapter that, that something's happening tonight. That, that thing that she described early on in like chapter three or four about 
that really interesting passage about like the low hum of the school year was about to kick in the high gear and she could feel mm-hmm. it this feels like that night and for yeah. a lot of for a lot of reasons that I think she's I think she was right on the money with that prediction well she doesn't even know she says she doesn't know what it is but tonight it's happening yeah whatever it is whatever it is yeah the, and, um, and the sky is a nice tumultuous reflection of her attitude with the storm rolling in and thunder yeah. and lightning very very frightening so they arrive at the haunted house and everything is happening and then they immediately tell her that um the teacher who was supposed to be in the druid section with bonnie uh, got sick or something, so yeah. they convinced Mr. Tanner, Ooh, the asshole history teacher, baby. to yeah, replace yeah. him, and he's giving Bonnie a hard time. He's gonna make Bonnie cry. <laughs> yeah, and so they go over there, um, and they check out what's going on. Bonnie's trying to convince him, like, look, you just have to pretend you're the sacrifice at the altar, please. And it, Mr. Tanner's fucking, <laughs> he's such a piece of garbage. He's like, well, this isn't even historically accurate, because, like, the druids didn't even build Stonehenge. <laughs> and she's, everyone's like, nobody gives a shit, dude. He's like, obviously, because that's why you're failing history class. Like, yeah. Mr. Tanner. <laughs> oh, my God. And then, you know. I mean. And then Stefan walks in and he's like, great, just what I needed. Stefan Salvatore. Yeah, who is this teacher (sighs) having personal grudges against these high school students? Well, Elena has this moment where she mentions something we don't know as the readers, but she looks at Mr. Tanner and says he couldn't have been too much older than them. He has to be in his 20s. It's just that he unfortunately has a receding hairline. And he probably doesn't seem to have a good, like, personal life. Like, maybe so he didn't like, get to go to his prom or his, yeah. like, so there's like dance resentment there for the kids he teaches who are yeah. just younger than him, you know? Yeah. Elena feels bad for him in that moment. Yeah. Like, she's like, he's fighting us tooth and nail to, like, be correct about his points. He sound he does sound like a know it all twenty four year old who just graduated and is in his like second year yeah, of teaching. Yeah, someone who's who, who's too good to be teaching, too good in their profession to be teaching high school, and so they or who is just like unhappy and he takes it out yeah. on people. He happens to be you know very knowledgeable and could be a great teacher if he wasn't an ass as a person. Yeah, well, you know, and so she feels bad for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so Stefan tries to talk to him about everything and. She notices that it seems very similar to when Stefan was talking to the lady in the office. Yeah. In, like, the first day or two of him being at school. And so she has that, like, flashback of, like, huh, Mr. Tanner's suddenly very quiet. And it's the same as, like, when Stefan was talking to that other lady. So she has this weird kind of connection where she doesn't know what's going on, but there's something weird about how he talks to people. Well, it's it's compulsion. It's definitely like yeah. some form of compulsion. Yeah. It's... But she's putting those pieces together again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're one step closer to the the fabled "I know what you are" conversation. I could feel it in my fucking bones. It's <laughs> any any day now, we're gonna have it. I still I hold fast that it might not be this book, but yeah. <sighs> Dear listener, well, she she coming. also. <laughs> Sorry. It's coming. She's so high strung in this entire these this entire sequence. She's like orchestrating this whole haunted house she's trying to fix her weird maybe broken relationship with stefan it's girls your girl's on edge she she i i wrote in the margins of the book that she like needs to sit down and and take a couple deep breaths but um you know instead of doing that she goes and talks to caroline which is like the exact opposite of taking a deep breath yeah well before (laughs) she leaves that here's the thing i didn't catch but i it actually i had to go back and i was like oh okay she mentions that in the druid room there's a werewolf and she was like oh okay it's staff running around so when she goes to talk to matt out at the front who's dressed as a werewolf but she said that the werewolf had left so she goes into that front room and there's caroline dressed as cleopatra and Matt, who's so, a werewolf. So inaccurate, but okay. I, I know. <laughs> um, and so, like, they're supposed to usher people in in that room and stuff. And yeah. she mentions, like, yeah, don't don't you... You were just there, weren't you? That, like, Mr. Tanner's given... Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. I probably imagined it. Let me, like, tell you what happened. Yeah. Stefan's again, talking to again, him. Again, she's very high strung. So she's, yeah. she thinks she's imagining stuff. Yeah. And so then they're like, okay, we just got to get everything rolling. I'm sure that that's taken care of. Mm-hmm. He'll... You know, co- Tanner will cooperate. Um, people are lining up outside already. Elena has these great interactions with both Matt and Caroline. 
in that room, who, both of whom we haven't really seen much of uh, post the events of Homecoming. And both um, have gone through, I think, monumental shifts in their personality at, in direct response to Elena and Stefan being together. Like, she talks about Matt has this kind of sorrowful, like, resignation in his body language. Where, like, and she, she comments on that he and Stefan have also grown further apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, of course, Caroline just turns to her and says that she'll never forget these events. Like, she's so scorned by by Caroline and Stefan, or by Stefan and Elena being together, that it's apparently irreparably damaged their friendship. Yeah, I gotta give it to Elena. She tried, because Caroline was, you know, being very hostile in energy, yeah. I guess, in the room. And she says that impulsively, Elena decides to just turn to Caroline and say, can we just put this behind us, yeah. please? Can we just, like, stop all of this? Yeah. And Caroline is like, I'm never gonna forget. <laughs> I will never forget. Yeah, it's so... Oh, it's so intense. But Elena's absolutely that kind of person where she, everyone, and it's exactly what Matt said in that speech in like chapter three, where everyone has to like Elena and she has to know that everyone likes her. And so of course she would want to extend an olive branch, even if it's only half-hearted, even if it's literally the worst timing for it ever. But this moment really made me kind of bummed because I, I, I really liked the super driven a-type personality that caroline had in the show especially high school caroline where she was like in kind of in elena's position instead where she was like the head of the arts and crafts teams or whatever that (laughs) high school has and so i in reading these moments and in, in wanting to kind of empathize with caroline who who is just a regular student who had what she thought was a budding relationship with a boy pulled out from beneath her by her rival queen bee friend you kind of feel bad for her but i also just i just miss what her character was in the show it seems like caroline from the show was a mishmash of a couple things because she has a little bit of what meredith is supposed to be like although they gave a lot no you know what she's a little bit of book bonnie because Mm -hmm. they gave a lot of meredith's traits to bonnie in the show yeah kind of level-headedness and yeah yeah absolutely but um, but she also Caroline in the show also takes a lot of Elena's traits in the book, because yeah. Elena in the show is just a regular old cheerleader who like is kind of into planning things. But Caroline is the one who's super on these committees and is driven and all the time. Mm-hmm. In the show, Caroline's absolutely the kind of person who would win Homecoming Queen and or whatever, while yeah. Elena is just a, another pretty cheerleader. Pretty sure that Caroline did win Homecoming. Yeah, Queen. yeah, I'm pretty sure too. Seems like it. So they move on with the night. They're like, (laughs) okay, we got to get this this night going. And they let people in. And Elena's just like, all right, you take care of stuff here. Stefan, uh, can you help us? Uh, You're not going to stay in the room with Matt, huh? Uh, You can go take care of coffee in the locker room. (laughs) For, like, people who show up for the performers, right? You can make sure everyone, like, has coffee. Keep refilling it. You take care of that. And he's Mm -hmm. like, great. (laughs) Yeah, and get me the seems, hell out of this room, basically. Yeah, and he seems like he's he's a little discombobulated. She notices that he kind of, like, yeah. loses his balance a bit. And she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He had to use some of his powers to convince Tanner to lie on that sacrificial pedestal thing, probably. Yeah, so does is that why he's a little off? Is it that he so. still looks at her and, and goes into his, like, weird trances of, like, mm. oh, Catherine? You know? Could be both. Could be both, Maybe. absolutely. I think Stefan also just, um, because of the whole, you know, vampire thing, and because of his his kind of life in solitary pre-Fell's Church, I think Stefan has like, undiagnosed agoraphobia. Oh, I gen- I genuinely think that being in a, a closed space, just full of what are basically uh, meals for him, <laughs> Just, uh, you know, it would make any of us uncomfortable. If I was in a whole gymnasium full of hamburgers and french fries, I'd be like, oh, jeez, get me out of here. What the heck's going on? I mean, maybe, on? but he's also at school regularly, so... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not that bad. But I, I, I... do think agoraphobia is um, is present in, in it a little bit. He definitely prefers the company of me, myself, and I, with the small exception of um, those close to him. Mm-hmm. I, I would believe that. 
Um, yeah. I have one more theory, but I'll get to it later. Okay. Uh, on why he might be like this. So they send Stefan off to go take care of coffee, and Elena's like, all right, I'm just going to go through the rooms, make sure things are going well as I go through. Yeah, she floats around like a stage manager. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah. the stage manager all for the All she needs night. is a headset. But um... <laughs> um, And so they're going around. This this place sounds great. They put a, like, a lot of work into all these different rooms. Um, and she mentions that there's this grim reaper that passes by her. That she doesn't know who that yeah. would be, but she's just like, that's creepy, but all right, must be some other performer. I don't remember that costume given to anyone, but well, Yeah, or sure. it's just, or it's someone enjoying the uh, festivities who dressed up, right? That's what I yeah. thought it was. Oh, you know, it's just, she she acknowledges it, he, she acknowledges it so briefly as but just like, so oh, he just floats by. But it's so creepy. It's that horror movie sequence where you're just like, that's weird. I didn't think that we had anyone dressed up as a Green Reaper. Whatever. And it's the killer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's le- not Leatherface. The Scream, Scream guy. What's his yeah, name? Yeah. It's like the... Scream. Yeah. He has and... a name. At me on Twitter about it. <laughs> and so she's like, that's weird. Anyway. And so she keeps on, you know, going through our perspective changes. Right. It yeah. changes to Bonnie. It changes to Bonnie. Well, she's because Elena is she's kind of floating around room to room, and the uh, druid room, the, whatever it's called, uh, the sacrifice room is kind of the piece de resistance of this whole thing because the Mister Tanner is supposed to lie on this whole sacrifice sacrificial altar covered in blood, and as guests approach, he's supposed to sit up and give him a good old spook, and. Um, and Bonnie, in her role as druid priestess, is, I guess, the one conducting this, like, sacrificial rite. And so she's, like, warning students not to get too close. And so she sees a, she sees students start to approach Mr. Tanner, who's lying on the table. And she's like, hmm, it's odd that he hasn't gotten up yet. He must be really biding his time to both scare, like, knowing Mr. Tanner, he's gonna scare me as soon as I get too close to him, because, of course, Mr. Tanner's got a huge grudge against Bonnie. And so she's hesitantly approaching, and she's like, he didn't even flinch when a student, like, pushed his hand through this punch bowl of blood, like, right next to his head. Why is he not moving? And this whole fear overcomes bonnie and because she starts to see a kid like reach toward mr tanner's body and she immediately is like don't touch him don't touch him don't touch anything no she tries to she thinks she's gonna reach for him mm, she's mm-hmm. gonna touch his shoulder and she yeah. keeps telling herself just don't do it don't because touch she him. knows yeah that as soon as she does she's gonna confirm what she doesn't want to confirm and in that moment dear listener boy mr tanner's head flops back Revealing the nasty wound across his neck. Mr. Tanner's dead. Ooh. I called it. Yeah, you called it in like our first episode. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I wrote it in all caps in my notes. It's like mm-hmm. one bullet point on its own. Tanner <laughs> Mr. died. Mr. Tanner got got. A man who nobody liked, but we all still kind of just felt a little sorry for. Ooh, I was from, right. From this mortal coil, untimely ripped doing a job he didn't want to do at a high school festival he didn't want to be a part of. Um, and he got uh, really just brutally killed. He got got. But in the best way, right? Because he's already covered in fake blood. He's already lying on a sacrificial al- al- altar. How how much more poignant can you get? Ooh. Yeah. So, of course, Bonnie screams yeah. bloody murder yeah. quite literally. She, yeah, yeah, she freaks out. Um, which, you and know, that kid touched his blood. Yeah. No one ki- talks about that later. No. Yeah. A kid who thought he was putting his hand in like a punch bowl of cornstarch and baking soda, just like put his hand into the, the flesh wound of Mr. Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> and so other kids, st- I mean, it's kind of funny a little bit. And these I'll- are kids. Cause she mentions that they're middle schoolers. Like it's the rest of the community has come yeah. to the haunted house. Elena shows up in the room. And she and, sees that Meredith is holding her by the shoulders as she's screaming. Yeah. I mean, she's inconsolable. Right, mm-hmm. as you would, as you yeah. would be in a situation like this. Uh, uh, and so um, uh, Elena, to her credit, immediately jumps into uh, some kind of action mode. She calls for the lights to be put on, and she immediately tries to kind of rally the staff. Uh, but who steps up to her side? Who steps up to what we think 
help her. And this is the point you brought up earlier, but a werewolf steps up next to her and she's like, oh shit, thank God Matt's here. What an unusually commanding voice Matt have. Matt has only for the vamp, the werewolf to remove its hat and have it be fucking Tyler. Yep. And I was a week like, back, Tyler a... shows up in a fucking werewolf costume. Yeah. Can we get more? Can obvious? we get? Can we get more obvious? I know. I'm pretty know. sure. A like, week this back from school, like his face still bloody and beat up from the good old licking that he got from Stefanio. Uh, but he immediately commands the scene. You know, it's the, it's the, it's definitely a stereotype of a guy like Tyler. Immediately takes over the scene using his commanding gravitas to get all the doors closed, effectively sealing in everybody in the gym. Because yeah. Tyler, uh, fucking witch hunt Tyler, oh is immediately ready to find the killer. Mm-hmm. Like, and he assumes. Oh, he's- oh, He's got a target. Oh, he has, yeah, of course he has a target, right? Who else could it possibly be? He, well, Thankfully, Elena, when she called for the lights to come up, she also told someone to call the cops. Mm. People are still freaking out. And yeah, of course, why? Tyler decides to take over, and everyone seems to be fucking listening to him. Well, he makes some really good points. My God, he if does. We didn't, if, like, we didn't no. have, if we didn't have the um, omnipotent mind of the viewer seeing all these points of view it's easy to be an empty-headed no thoughts high school student and be swayed by what what tyler is saying he talks about anyone really you don't have to be an empty-headed whatever you just are a person in a situation where literally someone just died that's true and you're in the room (laughs) and you're like it could be anyone everyone is in costume anyone could have come in and done it yeah but and they could be in the room right now so tyler is spinning this fantastic yarn about mm-hmm. how all of the attacks in Fells Church didn't start until the week Stefan Salvatore showed up. Hmm, Stefan Salvatore hasn't really said much about where he's from, Italy, but where who his family is, how'd he get here. He doesn't really talk to anybody. Hmm, he was at the graveyard the night that Vicky was attacked, and he even tried to kill me, innocent young man, Tyler Smallwood, with an, a, a, a football you know, he wants, yeah, he wants to hurt Oliver. Nobody knows anything about him. And Elena can't say anything because she's biased. That's and she, his girlfriend. And she also doesn't really know anything about him, right, Elena? And she can't say anything. Even she she's is like, well, frozen I don't know. Fear. Yeah, and she's, I mean, she's already, uh, she's already doing her best to put these pieces together, to connect what she thinks Stefan might be right. She's already mm-hmm. clocking these odd, these odd moments that he has. How how easily he beats up a man like Tyler. How easily he cajoles the staff of the school and Mister Tanner. The the you know kind of present the the timelessness with which he moves around and and conducts himself. How elegant he looks in a in a Renaissance cape. Um, <laughs> you know. So she she even has these moments of of no this can't be real like obviously this isn't real but what if and she looks to matt and she and matt have this moment where she's like desperately pleading with him across the room to understand with her like to commiserate with her and matt has this whole like he like wears all of his emotions on his face in this moment and he's like you can see the angel and demon on his shoulders like (laughs) pulling him in either direction it's a very powerful scene uh, uh, just the the imagery of of Tyler in this gymnasium, like railing against this other student as an accusation of murder, because yeah. a teacher is dead on a table. Like it's really intense and and definitely exactly the kind of thing that Elena unknowingly predicts with the the way the clouds or this the firmament above her is this torrent of. Yeah. You know? He sounds excited. She notes that yeah. Tyler sounds excited in all of this. It's like he was waiting for this to happen or Go- something like this to just be like, I'm pinning it on Stefan. Yeah. And he, I, I find it f- just interesting that they try to be like, get the children out of here because there's a literal dead body right there. And he, Tyler makes them close the doors and not let anyone out. And I get that because they could have the killer there, but also like, 
Do you really think it was one of these, like, 12-year-olds? Yeah, and did you see how easily the kill was done? That you're just going to close everyone in here with this super-calculated psychopath that picked the perfect time to murder this guy? Yeah, I, I and I don't know what the right response is. Yeah. I'm glad they called the cops, but... That's the right response. But the, the fact that he just sounds so excited, and everyone yeah. in the room starts to be like, yeah, and it's, mob mentality starts to sink yeah. in. Gleeful is the mm-hmm. word that L.J. Smith uses. Gleeful. He has this gleeful yeah. urgency about him. And yeah, yeah, it really it really shifts the whole, really the fast. whole fucking mood. Like, it's almost like the town w- like is used to doing like trial by court of public (laughs) opinion like murder for people (laughs) i don't know but it it, it just goes so fast and even like you said i think even matt seems to decide like i you don't know if he's decided that tyler is right and he just has to go and find whatever's going on right no he immediately yeah he well he's he's super conflicted but he he Mm -hmm. looks longingly into elena's eyes as she pleads with him and it's this it's the snap moment of he doesn't trust Stefan and he doesn't trust Tyler but he trusts Elena Mm -hmm. and if and if the look on Elena's face means anything it means that he that Matt any if anybody should find Stefan first it has to be Matt in this situation and that's exactly what he does he goes into he goes into action mode well and no one else knows where he is because they try to get Elena to say where he where Stefan is they're like where is he and she goes I well, she I don't can't, know. Yeah, and she can't go anywhere without leading this cra- this this violent mob to mm-hmm. him. And so Matt, so yeah, Matt, Matt has to be the one. Matt and has- Matt like slips in to the locker room while people aren't looking, and she finds Stefan passed out in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a second, he thinks that there's just another dead body, and he's <laughs> about to be like, "Stefan, oh my God, what you, is going on?" Could you imagine? Oh, yeah, but it turns out to be Stefan who's passed out, and yeah. so. In that moment, Matt, like, helps him up, and he's like, what's what's wrong? Are you okay? And he's literally concerned, and he says, they, they're after you. Mr. Tanner's dead, and they think it's you. And he says, I know it's not you. Yeah. And it and he, from his point of view, he says that it, he means that in that moment. Yeah, he means it. That he believes that it's not Stefan, and that he can't be there, because they, yeah. they're out for blood. Yeah, and Stefan is, like, physically out of commission. Like he's mm-hmm. he's not just passed out, but he like has memory loss. His first question is who? Who's after me? Almost like he wants to ask like where where even is he? He's yeah. he's completely out of it in this moment. I think that maybe Damon had something to do with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that he yeah. is that Reaper that passed by. He killed Mr. Tanner mm-hmm. and he did something maybe he did something to Stefan while he was in the room with Tanner before. Or I don't know, yeah. like if Bonnie was still in the room, or if she left, um, and they ended up being by themselves, or yeah. if it just happened, like, you know, he found him in the locker room and he went through the maze and passed Elena, and I don't know when he could have killed Tanner, but he's a vampire. But it seems like, in the way that Stefan's powers manifest and Damon's powers have this ability to, as we've seen, almost like stop time, and create this atmosphere of confusion and obfuscation uh, mm-hmm. around him when he when he is moving with intent to strike and maybe it's that obfuscation that cloud that um you know has an acute effect on other vampires in the area mm-hmm. or, or there's a way there's a yin yang thing about damon and stefan's powers maybe where when when damon is in full swing maybe it, it incapacitates stefan in a way or maybe stefan was so caught off guard by it because stefan is also a you know quote-unquote vegetarian vampire so he might he might also just be weaker because he's not constantly feeding on the flesh of mortals like damon probably is Mm -hmm. so his powers are a lot more susceptible to sabotage that's my theory about uh about why he might be so out of commission but of course all this is to say that um matt finds stefan on the floor explains to him the situation stefan's immediately appalled and in the most classic Stefan scenario ever, he turns to Matt and he's like, you have to look after Elena. Because I have to, yeah, because Matt's like, you gotta go, you gotta get out of here. And he's like, I know, I do have to go. Look after Elena for me. And Matt's like, what? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you to get out of here. Yeah, like, like, we gotta go, like, right now. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do have to go right now. Anyway, (laughs) keep an eye on her for me, will ya? And Matt's like, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, you gotta go, dude. He's like, you're a good friend, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, I gotta go. It's like the most dire, like, oh, yeah, cool, Stefan, you're gonna blow town, (laughs) hop the next train, and never be seen again. Like, he's so ready to pack a bag and leave at the first sign of trouble. We might see a bit, dear listener, we might see a bit of this faded love triangle occur between our darling Stefan, Elena, and Damon. We might see it in this book. We might see it more in the next, but um, we're here for it. We're here for whatever direction it decides to take. All I want is that that dang I know what you are conversation. It keeps me going. It keeps me up at night. I'm ready for it. I can't wait for those lines to exit Elena's mouth. Hopefully it's in a shaded glen somewhere or in a finely designed renaissance house, but I feel it coming, and I hope you're just as excited as we are. And that's where the chapter ends. Yeah, it ends with um, Stefan and Matt not not really making sense to each other, but Matt, Matt, Stefan's got to get out of town, and Matt's going to help him. It's we're, we're, we're starting to see the um, fault lines of the town. You know, we're starting to see the, the, friends, the friends take sides of who they're going to stick with as... You know, because when a vampire rolls into town, it affects everybody. It's not just the mortal he happens to fall in love with, but it's all Definitely their all so. their friends too. All right, so that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, any comments, get in touch with us. Keenan keeps plugging his Twitter handle. What at, is it again? At Keenan MF Electric Boobula. Find <laughs> me. Correct me. All the things I got wrong. Um, please leave us ratings and any comments. You can also send us an email at breakfastpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your theories. If, uh, if you're reading the books and you're, you want to tell us how it ends, please don't. But, you know, send, send us your theories. If you're watching the show, uh, good for you. It's a great show. Shit, dude. All right. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Peace out, team. Bye. How fucking so, on the money is it that Tyler's wearing a, a werewolf thing? I didn't even catch that. I didn't even catch it. I was just like, ah, of course Tyler's back. But the fact that it's a werewolf. <laughs> I was so like, God what the damn it. fuck? Yeah. <laughs>